Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. This is the report number 69, where we're going to cover the findings from the previous month. My name is Edison Magalhães here at the SDRS group. Hi, my name is Giovanni Trevisan at the SDRS team. Hi, my name is Guilherme, also at the SDRS. And today, as I mentioned, we're going to cover the findings from the previous month in, in the, at the SDRS, the month of October of 2023. And we also have the pleasure to have here today Dr. William Hollis joining the SDRS podcast. We're going to have a discussion with him. Dr. Hollis is currently a partner in veterinary of Cartridge Veterinary Service and serves as the president of the professional swine management at the Cartridge Swine Service Management Company. He's also a PQA uh, Plus advisor, served on the National Pork Producers uh, Animal Health Food Security Policy Committee, and served on the National Pork Board Swine Health Committee. Dr. Hollis is currently the president of the ASV, the American Association of Swine Veterinarians, which is an association where he also received uh, the, the Protection of the Year Award in 2019. And Dr. Hollis is, serves also as an advisory member of the SDRS project. In today's episode, Dr. Hollis will discuss the activity on endemic swine pathogens in the U.S., uh, and it's a pleasure to have him here today. Dr. Hollis, welcome to the SDRS podcast. Oh, thank you, Edison. I appreciate the invite, and uh, uh, you guys are, are challenging us, so I really appreciate what uh, the SDRS is doing. Thank you very much for the invite. Welcome. You are welcome, Dr. Hollis. We really appreciate your support for the SDRS, and it's going to be a good discussion here. So before we go to that, Guilherme, what are the main findings for the SDRS for the month of October of 2023? Yeah, Giovanni, moving to the main findings, let's start with PERS, that is our first page. And for the second consecutive month, we are having an increase in positivity in the winter market category. And also the forecast model that we had the PERS activities showing that below the expected uh, in a monthly basis, right now the activities within expected. So the activity of PERS is increasing like in October. And we also support the information is the number of sequencings coming as that one C variant coming most of them from the winter market category. So it matches also with this increased activity that we are having. So in summary, winter market activity is going on again uh, around October. How about enteric coronavirus? For PED, continues to have a slightly increase in positivity in the South Farms, for example. But what is curious for this specific month is, that is because usually we have an increase in the winter market as well. And right now we are having only increase in the South Farm. Any comments from the advisory group about this? Oh, yeah. Like our advisory mentioned that the winter finish sites this year, they clean up faster. And that's why probably we are having like a decreased activity in the winter market compared with the previous years. And also that some systems, like once they know that the South Farm is already positive, they are not testing like downstream this piglet. So that's why we are not having a lot of positive cases coming from the, the winter market category. So pretty good to keep an eye on PED in the next couple of weeks there. Correct. So how about influenza, mycoplasma and PCV2? Any information about those guys? Oh yeah, for influenza itself, we had an increased activity in the winter market as well in September. And right now in October, we are having a moderate increase in the overall detection, like including all the age categories for this specific pathogen. And it might be correlated with the change in the weather, right? We are having like these uh, cold, colder months right now that affect the positivity of influenza in the field. And of course, this raises an alert for the positivity in South Prime since we are having this increased activity in the winter market already. And how about tissue diagnosis? From tissue diagnosis here from the ISU-VDL, they confirmed tissue diagnosis by diagnosticians. We had an increased number of cases for PERS virus, streptococcus suis, and also glacerella that we have in this month of October. So lots of respiratory pathogens having activity there. Correct. So on another subject, and spoiler alert, 
Is that true that you're adding a new pathogen in the SDRS database? Oh yeah, that's another pathogen that we're gonna have right now, eight in total, including PCV3 that we are including this month in, in October. And some highlights that we have for PCV3 are when we start to analyze these cases, the positivity in South Farm for a PCV3 is always 10% higher than PCV2 since 2019. So this raises a, a specific alert to see how is the dynamics of this pathogen in the South Farms here in the US. And also one good information that we got analyzed this data is that PCV2 and PCV3 cases are being tested together a lot, uh, mainly right now in 2023, that over 70% of the cases are tested for both of them at the same time. And the positivity within the same case is 25% for both pathogens. This is another trend that we, we want to investigate to see what is the, the, the role of PCV2 and PCV3 being detected at the same time in one farm. Great job, Dan. Thank you for the support for the videos to bring this other pathogen on board of the SDRS. Thanks, Guilherme and Giovanni. Now let's move to our discussion with Dr. Hollis. Uh, Dr. Hollis, as we are approaching the, the winter months, and we know that the endemic pathogens, mainly PD and PERS, as we discussed, uh, have increased activity with several outbreaks. Based on your experience, how do production systems can be uh, prepared for these upcoming months to mitigate the, the activity of endemic pathogens? Well, it's, uh, it's perfect timing, and, uh, and you guys are, are bringing this topic to, uh, to all of us uh, as, we, as we get into the winter months. What, what we know is that this is a time of year with high risk, and so everything that we can do to, to limit risky behavior and to pump the brakes before we enter risky behavior. So those would be things like transport of equipment, of pigs, of feed, of semen, anything that deals with transport, let's make sure we've reviewed anything that deals with maintenance or special projects, uh, manure hauling, uh, supplies, people. These are, these are all known risky behavior and it just gets more difficult during cold weather. And Dr. Hollis, when we talk about these endemic pathogens and these risks that we have there, two that have been in a lot of discussion that is PERS and PD. And specifically, there is some things that occur in this time of the year, example, manure pumping season. And if we look specifically for PERS virus, there is always an increase that has been occurring year over year for increased activity of PERS virus in the intermic uh, age category before the adult self-harm. So how do you see this? Is there any relation that we could tie back with manure pumping period and this increased activity of these pathogens there? Well, it's it's just personal opinion, but I can give you what I what I can see in our practice area. And uh, we know from these cold, wet, foggy days of the winter that are, we're entering right now, uh, anything that's going to elevate virus activity, it's just going to move across the countryside. PED is very different. We don't expect that, that these uh, enteric coronaviruses are moving in that same wet, foggy area. We believe we're moving them either through our behavior, through our transport, through our equipment. And so some of the things that we've done to try to mitigate that are like whitewashing the entries. If we're trying to um, remove mortality on a regular basis, how do we minimize the activity of that mortality? And then you spoke about manure handling, which I fully accept is high risk. Uh, we, we know uh, through our, our uh, previous understanding and research that infectious disease, uh, specifically these two viruses, can reside in manure. And so in that effluent, 
we're moving that around the countryside. We're moving it to acreages that are two and three miles in some cases away from our farm. That may be closer to someone else's farm. We know that those manure hauling crews are going to have multiple contact. That's just a reality of the business. And so we have to be very close with our manure hauling crews. So in the Carthage system, we, we are, are um, very much a wean pig production business and we are a gilt and breeding stock business. So in the Carthage system, we have a heightened level of nervousness around trafficking these viruses. So our manure hauling crews are really close to us. We meet with them in the summertime. We have uh, reviews of a health pyramid with them frequently. So they understand if there's disease activity that's occurred during pumping season, pump the brakes. How can we talk about that risk relevant to the other farms? And then frankly, with those manure crews, are we clean? Do we, do we have the ability to safely and clean wash that equipment? Are we inspected? Can we, can we validate that we have accomplished a clean uh, equipment before we begin pumping at the next farm? And then do we operate in a clean manner? So that operations on farm includes ways that we prevent in a, a deep pit farm the risk of bringing that effluent in contact with the other pigs or the risk of entering something into that farm from another farm. So all those operations need to be reviewed and, and we just have to have a good relationship with those people. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that, uh, that you share this and all of this process. So when you think about PD and PERS, can you share also your opinion about what are the top three priorities that should be taken in consideration to avoid PD and PERS as outbreak and considering this character scenario of pig production system? I've... Uh... I, I, this is not uh, my quote, but it's uh, it's from one of our peers that has said that uh, uh, we we know how to eliminate these viruses. We can get them off the farm. We just don't know how to keep them off the farm. <laughs> and so we we keep finding new ways of dragging them back or or spreading them to the neighborhood. And so I, I really believe it it begins with understanding uh, risky behavior. So are we communicating with our maintenance teams? Have we have we allowed the farm staff? Uh, the ability to share high-risk behavior, understanding what are those uh, what, what are those everyday tools that we're requiring the farm to do or uh, operations that we're doing that are leading to this risky behavior. So I'm not sure, uh, Giovanni, I'm not sure I can give you three specifics of how we get rid of PERS or PED, but I do know that um, the, the first step of this conversation uh, of elimination has to be how do we keep it out? Well, we, we have rushed into elimination in the past without a strong uh, fort to prevent the reintroduction. So the first step has to be, how are we gonna keep it out? Then we can work on some more of these uh, industry conversations, uh, vaccines as a tool and what needs to be evaluated uh, to make them more effective or um, the behaviors and the and the movement of virus and what needs to be minimized so that we do less movement of virus and and then more of an association or what do our our larger groups uh, so U.S. ship for example what do some of our larger groups for the industry mm -hmm. provide for us as a um, an ability to talk about uh, what's working and what's not working so can we go into those meetings openly. And, uh, and share our experiences uh, without feeling attacked. Mm -hmm. Dr. Hollis, just following up in the PD 
part and a PD question. Like you gave a, a written presentation in the Lehman talking about the cost of PD for the industry. So could you elaborate a little bit more about the cost of these virus and how much money we are losing, like keeping these virus around in our farms? Yeah, thanks, Guillermo, for the question. I, I can make it from a personal level and then try to extrapolate that to an industry level. But as I shared earlier, our, our Carthage business is two thirds of baby pig production business. Two thirds of our business is making healthy wean pigs. And so PED is a lightning rod of attention. <laughs> the, the second part of our business, which is about a third of our business is making breeding stock. And if, if we were to have a PED outbreak in breeding stock, again, uh, we lose sales. It is a lightning rod. So your perspective, on the impact of the disease, it somewhat formulates your willingness to drive for change. Uh -huh. where, where I believe some of our grow finish folks have ignored the cost uh, is that uh, let's call it five days, maybe seven days of no growth. Mm -hmm. So if we have wean to markets that are moving it around, you stated earlier, they're not testing uh, because they know they're moving it around. So they just stopped testing. Um, what's the impact? And do we accept that it's five to seven days of no growth? Then if we accept that in some areas we're 15, maybe 20% of the population getting impacted, I'm driving to what is the economics? Well, if we've lost a pound and a half to two pounds over a five-day spread, we've lost $5 a pig on 20% of the industry. That's just the wean to market. Now let me take you to the lightning rod, which was really where it's a little easier for, for those of us in the sow business to, to put a number to it. Mm -hmm. If you have a, a 5,000 sow farm and you break with PED, you're a naive farm and you broke with PED, you lose a month's worth of pigs. All the weaned pigs leading up to it in that, in that early exposure period are, are either dying in the farring crate or rapidly dying post-weaning. The cleanup process to eliminate the virus eliminates all the pigs out of farrowing for at least two weeks, and usually that drags on. So I'm going to say conservatively, you're going to lose a month's worth of pigs. 12,500 pigs on a 5,000 sow farm at a $45 wean pig, you've lost over a half a million dollars like that on that one farm. Now, through our, through our SDRS and through our, our uh, surveys with our, our industry, we know we're somewhere in that five to 7% PED exposure in the fall. So we're, we're talking about a 40 or $50 million hit to our industry just on the sows. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's very impactful. It's just, I would say, um, something that we haven't taken a strong industry effort at elimination. And that's what I would encourage us to consider is this go forward opportunity to to discuss it as an organization, to discuss it as a community of producers, to take those tools that we have and look at what's the next step. What can we do differently and better to get rid of the virus? Because the, the cost is there. Those of us in the, in the sow business, uh, I would call it a lightning rod. Those, those that are in the grow finish, I would say need to accept that five, $6 a pig at least, and probably 15 to 20% of their population at least. Dr. Hollis, you may, just a follow-up, you mentioned millions of dollars of cost, right? And we, we we can envision elimination, as you mentioned. We can, like, go to this next step, start to discuss that. But would you envision that coming in a national level? You, you mentioned a little bit about it. Or do you think it's more like have to start as a regional point and then we start to grow in the whole country? Like, 
how do we envision this process of elimination if we go through that? My head uh, wraps around this as, as an industry. We, we do have to talk about it as an industry. No, mm -hmm. nobody's, um, nobody wants to be told what to do. And so coming down and saying, you know, the government's going to make us do this or the, the industry is going to force this uh, through, through our uh, relationships. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going uh, to, that's not going to lead to buy-in. What we have to do is evaluate those tools. So do we have tools? So for example, we, uh, we eliminated some ugly viruses years ago with very effective modified live vaccine and the growing and finishing population. So if we have some tools that we've already started to evaluate that can work to eliminate the activity because we have exposed pigs now going out into the grow finish. Now I'm getting to where, yes, we can move to an industry conversation, but not until we've started the conversation about each of our individual operations, what that risk is to our operations, and what are the tools that we have to get rid of it. Likewise, so your question about regionalization or take a small region and we're going to get rid of it, I would look north of the border. The, the folks at Manitoba Pork have done an extensive evaluation of PED elimination. They've given us a playbook. It's If you haven't looked it up, pull up manitobapork.org. It's, it's extensive. Uh, so they are already evaluating regions and the, the, the communication among a small group. The the risk we have, I think, south of the Canadian border uh, is that we move pigs so much all over the Midwest, and it's going to be very hard to, uh, to, to tackle one specific region if then they're laying exposed to, to the rest of the industry. So um, my advice is that we start the conversation on the tools. We start the conversation on the organization, the industry, what are the high risks? Uh, and we bring to the industry those things that are going to clean up. So truck washes, where, where are the best, cleanest, uh, validated truck washes that we know don't, don't increase risk, but decrease risk? Mm -hmm. That's where I think we should start. And I think there's a good motivation behind it there to, to, to do this PED national uh, elimination. But in terms of cost and we know how to do it, we, we have the tools just have to do this, this broad organization as a nation to, to that purpose, but also that can serve for other pathogens that are not here in the U.S., right? So that's a focusing on PD. For example, we are preparing ourselves against ASF. I, I, would, I agree with you completely, Edison. I think it's our, it's our indicator of how good we are at biosecurity. When we break with PED, it should be a, oh, my goodness, you know, this is a signal that something has gone wrong in our, in our biosecurity. Uh, because uh, a PED is something we can traffic around and it, it's something we can eliminate. We, we can work hard and get rid of it, but um, it should be a wake-up call that uh, this is the one that we can use as our compliance indicator for biosecurity. Are we keeping it out? Mm -hmm. So Dr. Hollins, you mentioned about this process that the industry can get together. So how, what advice do you have for the industry and how to collaborate and start this discussion. Is there something that we can or that use that's out there or do we need to create something new to bring these discussions on the table? We have we have the organizations and, and we have the format. Um, I would say our American Association of Swine Veterinarians needs to take a leading role. We need to push forward with our task force organization. 
uh, our, our committee responsibilities. And, and those are both already in place. We can utilize those frameworks within our organization to, to bring people together. We also can use our swine health committees at the national pork producers or our uh, swine health committee for the pork board to discuss those investments. I know they're making investments every year in research. And then my long-term goal with this would be that we look at an organizational structure like U.S. SHIP. The, the U.S. SHIP format has a house of delegates where our, our government officials and our producers and our veterinarians are having a debate openly in the same room. And, and to me, that's very scary to a lot of people. We don't want it to get out of control. Uh, we also don't want it to become mandates, but it's the right place to start if we can begin the conversation as an organization. So again, get our, get our veterinarians together with our researchers, get our investments in research that uh, many which we've already made, we know how to eliminate the virus. What we don't know is why do we keep dragging it back? Uh, so making those commitments to communicate about this very topic and then taking it to a forum where then we can begin to take action. So um, we do through something like a US ship, we do recognize what are the most high risk behaviors? What are the gaps that we have within the industry? Or what are the tools that we need to further invest in? So that 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 would be where I think we can start. Thank you for sharing out this, those thoughts, Dr. Hollins. And as the president of the ASV, do you have any final message messages for the ASV Association and its members? Well, I uh, again, I I enjoy a lively debate. So thank you very much for what SDRS is doing. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to, to discuss in a podcast. Uh, it's a bit new for me, so hopefully I didn't trip over uh, too many of these uh, functions, but I, I appreciate the invite and enjoyed the conversation very much. So thank you, guys. Thank you. That was it, guys. Thanks for having us uh, and joining this, this podcast edition. And thanks, Dr. Hollis, again for, for joining us. It was a really good discussion. Hope to see you more here. <laughs> thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.